Hello everyone, welcome to this new episode which is brought to you by italki, an online service that helps you find English teachers for one-to-one lessons. Listening to my episodes is definitely going to be good for your English. How can it not be good? How can it not be beneficial? Um, I know for a fact that it helps your English, but you also have to do lots of active practice and that means speaking, 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 speaking. But who can you speak to? you might not be able to find the right people to talk to or the right teachers to give you the right kind of lessons that you need. Well, italki can help. They have loads of teachers. You can check their profiles, see if they have a particular set of skills, see their introductory videos, maybe get trial lessons with them so you can see what their teaching is like. And then when you choose one that's right for you, and you get some talking time, italki will send you a voucher, which is worth the equivalent of a free lesson. And that is available for my listeners. And to get that offer, you need to go to my special URL, which is teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. Okay? Now, also, before we begin, please consider voting for Luke's English Podcast in the British Podcast Awards this year. I need all the votes I can possibly get. And that means you. Yes, you, specifically. Please don't assume that everyone else will do it. Um, It's very simple. You can do it right now. And then you can tell me that you've done it by leaving a comment on the website or something. Or or not. Just But do vote, please. BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. Then search for Luke's English Podcast. And Bob is your uncle. Uh, Get your phone out now. Just do it now. You've got your phone there, right? Just get your phone out now, or maybe if you're in front of your computer, you can do it there. Uh, and, and just type BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. British, no problem. Podcast, you know how to spell that. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Awards, A-W-A-R-D-S dot com slash vote. And search for Luke's English Podcast, and there you go. It's dead easy. And if all of you do it, Um, I might uh, get into the top three. Um, I could raise the profile of this podcast and that can help me do things in the future, like, for example, get cool guests on the podcast. Plus, it would just make me very happy indeed. So come on. Why don't you do it now? It'll take less than a minute. BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. Thank you. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to continue going through a list of comments and questions from listeners while using those comments and questions as a springboard to ramble about this and that. Okay, so I've got a list of comments and questions from listeners. I'm going to continue going through them, and that's going to probably lead to some rambling uh, on various things. Some of the questions that I've got here are related to language. Uh, Others are related to topics that I've covered on the podcast recently. And I've I've got one hour to do this. I've got basically, I've got less than one hour uh, before I have to go and pick up my daughter from daycare. So let's see what I can do in an hour. Let's go. Right. So before we go any further, I have to say something about uh, Luke's English Podcast Premium. I'm not uh, marketing it now. I'm not uh, advertising it now, promoting it now. I'm just saying it's not ready yet. Okay. 
I just want to say that and be clear. It's, I'm afraid it's not ready yet because I keep getting questions from listeners uh, asking about it. It's not ready. Uh, some listeners have found a sign-up form for the premium stuff, but there's actually no content available yet. So I haven't told you it's ready yet. I haven't announced it yet. So please don't sign up. Even if you somehow find a, a, a way to do it, there's like a couple of little um, buttons that you may have noticed, one on the app and stuff. So that it's not, not really supposed to be public yet. Uh, so don't sign up until I've made a proper announcement about it. I haven't uh, uploaded any premium content yet. I'm working on the first episodes at the moment, uh, so, but they're not ready. It's coming soon. Okay, so please wait until I say go before you sign up, and I haven't said go yet. I've got Actually, I've got loads of work to do um, over the next week or two, and I'm hoping to produce quite a lot of content this month, but it's already proving to be quite hard to get work done uh, so far this month. Why is it so hard to get work done, uh, Luke, you might be asking? Well, um, it's May, it's the month of May, and here in France, where I live, uh, in Paris, there are loads of public holidays in May. There are four public holidays that land in May, which is wonderful, of course, because it means that, you know, you get some days off work, and especially if the weather is good, which it is today, um, blue sky, sunshine, temperature is about 27, 28 degrees. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, if, if you get public holidays in May, that is wonderful. But it also does make things a little bit complicated. It can be hard to get things done. If you want to get some work done, if you're uh, someone who needs to get lots of work done in May, it can be quite an inconvenient month. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, in some countries, you, you don't get many public holidays. Um, and so it must sound strange to hear someone in France kind of going, oh, it's really inconvenient. We've just got so much free time, so many, um, so many uh, uh, statutory public days off. It's really annoying. So it's kind of weird to be almost complaining about it. But um, it is wonderful, but it also can be a bit inconvenient at times. It can be hard to get things done. In France, and I think in other countries too, there is this thing called doing the bridge, or as they call it, le pont in French. So the bridge, this is when public holidays land on a Tuesday or a Thursday, okay? So if you imagine... Um, so Okay, so in the French calendar... Uh, public holidays always land on the same dates uh, every year. So it's always on the same date. Now, sometimes that date might be a weekend, in which case you lose the public holiday, or it might land during the week on a weekday, and then you get the day off, okay? Now, if the day, if the public holiday lands on a Monday or on a Friday, you get a long weekend. You get, you know, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, okay? But if the public holiday lands on a Tuesday or a Thursday, it might be possible for you to take the... See, you get a little... Uh, a day there in the middle. So if, if you're... If the public holiday lands on a Tuesday, then Monday is just left on its own. You see, you get... 
Saturday and Sunday, then Monday, and then a Tuesday off. So what many people do is they do the bridge, which is where they take both the Monday and the Tuesday, which is already a holiday. They take the Monday off and they do the bridge. And then they have like a super long weekend, which is Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. And that's called doing the bridge. Um, But it also means that you cut out almost half of the week. And if you imagine four public holidays landing in May and... Um, like this particular year, each of those four days is landing during the week. So it's a bit like, I mean, if you if you are like if you've got lots of work to do, if you're running a business or something, or you know you've just you're just very busy in the office and you have many things to do, uh, that can feel a bit like um, bombs have been dropped on your working week, and suddenly like. Um, the first two weeks of May are just have just been kind of destroyed. That uh, there's no rhythm. You can't get a rhythm right. It's like uh, everyone, half the people who you do business with have, have taken the, the 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 whole week off, and so it can be really hard to get things done. So that's that's what's happened here. When public holidays land on a Tuesday or Thursday, it it can really break up the week, and you have to squeeze all of your work into just a few days. Uh, the first two weeks of May, as I've said, contain four holidays, and this this year they've all landed midweek which um can sort of uh, make things a bit difficult to manage for example uh, our our baby daughter is in daycare these days uh, but uh, on a public holiday the, the daycare center is closed so we have to look after the baby uh, you know we have to have the baby at home which means that we can't you know can't go to work or it's it just changes things i mean it's it's wonderful of course it's fantastic because we get to spend the day with our daughter and so those days like we've got last week we had um what was it we had like two days last week and i think two days this week we've got tuesday this week and thursday so those two days will be spent uh with my wife and me and the baby and um it just means that those are going to be family days we might go and have a picnic or whatever those will be family days but they they won't be work days we might get a little bit of work done but it's hard to really get down to proper work on those days so from a work point of view and I consider doing things like producing episodes of this podcast and, and all the necessary stuff for producing the premium stuff. I mean, essentially, that is work because this is now becoming, hopefully, fingers crossed, this is becoming my job. Um, so from a work point of view, it's hard to get all the things done that you want to get done. From a general quality of life point of view, it's nice because we'll, be, we'll get to spend some time with our daughter. So, you know, you can just see the way things go here in France uh i mean you know it's a different culture and i think back in the uk and in some other countries certainly in the uk we uh, have a slightly more pragmatic focus which is more about we maybe prioritize getting our work done a bit more whereas in france it's all about enjoying your life and your private life and that is obviously a wonderful thing uh that people really uh uh, put a lot of importance on uh, their their personal uh, life and their leisure time, and so that sometimes takes priority, which is yeah, which is great. But from a work point of view, quite difficult. In the UK, all of our public holidays are moved to the nearest Monday, so no matter what day they land in the calendar, just the closest Monday to that day becomes the holiday, which means that the week remains fairly unaffected by the by the holiday so instead of the week being broken up by it landing on a tuesday or wednesday or thursday 
it just stays on the Monday, and that kind of means that it's it, it's um, sort of less disruptive uh, to the workplace. But in France, they just land on the same dates every year, and they they stay there. And so you know that can work in your favour if you if it means you get uh, you know like a, a long weekend. But it can work against you if you've got lots of work to do. So what I'm trying to say is um, that on the premium side of things, uh, I I really want to get all that stuff produced and ready to to. Um, to go uh, this month, but it's proving to be a little bit difficult because of all these public holidays and stuff. In France, people are very protective of public holidays and workers' rights. Uh, And in the past, uh, people had to fight really hard. Uh, They had to demonstrate, they had to protest, and they had to negotiate and fight very hard to get public holidays, like statutory public holidays, um, paid. And uh, and so, you know, in France, people hold that right very seriously. They protect the, the, uh, the rights of workers very seriously because they had to fight so hard to get those things in the first place. And now holidays have become an important part of French life, although people obviously work very hard here too. France is one of the world's top economies and people do work very hard, despite the uh, fairly unfair cliche that you know perhaps french people are not hard working they are hard working but they also uh make a lot of um effort to enjoy their lives too so you know french people do like to spend time relaxing outside a cafe uh, drinking nice wine uh, engaging in in good conversation eating nice cheese and things like that those things are very important and also main, you know protecting people's rights to enjoy their their lives and to to have public holidays that's very important um so the culture is is different in france than it is to the uk as i've said but it's certainly very different to other places like for example in japan where people are given fewer holidays uh, than in france like in in japan in my experience having met many company workers in japan uh, lots of them um you know just hardly took any time off some some of the guys that i used to teach english to uh back in japan who were working for companies they would get maybe five days off a year and in france people get you know at least five weeks plus a bunch of public holidays maybe even more than five weeks in some cases um for example here it's quite normal for many people to take the entire month of august off Lots of people just will not do anything in August. It's just the whole month is a holiday, which means it's difficult to get anything done in August business-wise, unless you're a tourism company or you run a hotel for tourists or something like that. But in August, nothing really happens, it, it feels like. if um, Certainly in, in Paris, it feels like the city is kind of dead uh, because so many people have left the city and they've gone off to uh, houses in the countryside or they've gone on holiday to other countries so Paris itself seems very quiet uh, which is fantastic actually uh, because the the place is much more calm and relaxed and less stressed than it usually is Uh, back in the United Kingdom people still work during August the the kids are on holiday of course Uh, and you know you might take two weeks off work 
during the summer in in July or in August but you still basically continue to work when you're not on that holiday so in August people still are working at a fairly similar pace as during the rest of the year things might slow down a bit in the UK in August but in in France certainly in Paris it's definitely very noticeable that in August everything's quiet lots of places are closed lots of uh, shops and other businesses might close down in August and just reopen in September Um, so that's all August. It's hard to get things done in August. But May, as well, in France, is a little bit like August, but no one really expects it to happen. So everyone is always taken by surprise by May. You know, people trying to plan their work life always kind of forget that May is kind of like the ninja August. Because you don't expect that uh, it's, it's, it's the, the holidays are coming. And then suddenly you arrive in May and it's like, wait, I can't, I, I can't achieve anything. We can't get anything done. And then May is like, we're Ninja August. Anyway, May is like, uh, May in France is like Ninja August. Um, yes. Um, if, if you uh, have seen Paul Taylor's uh, YouTube series, uh, What the Fuck France, are you aware of that show? Many of you are. Um, my friend Paul, who is a fairly regular guest on this podcast. Hopefully I'll be getting him and Amber on the podcast again soon. Paul uh, made a TV series for Canal Plus, a TV station here in France. And also it was a YouTube uh, video series all about sort of making fun in an affectionate way, making fun of different aspects of life in France. And one of the episodes was all about public holidays. And... um, uh, Amber and and me and a few other uh, people used to help Paul write those um, those videos and the one about public holidays I uh, I help I was quite in, involved in writing that episode and a lot of the ideas and things that um, uh, came up in that episode uh, were contributed by me so I feel I'm that's kind of like my episode of what the fuck France even though I'm not in it I did write quite a lot of it I'm going to play you a little clip from from the uh the episode of what the fuck France which is all about uh public holidays now and this is the the bit about ninja August so this is Paul talking about May in France and how there are so many public holidays here uh, but no one expects it or no one sort of realises uh, that often in May you can't get anything done so it's like Ninja August Number two May The month of May is a fucking joke There are so many public holidays that no one gets any work done It's like the month of August except it sneaks up on you like a fucking ninja May is the Ninja August Oh, thank you. It's a place full of happy, sunny bridges and a flying Jesus that ascends up to heaven. Speaking of Jesus... All right, all right. So if you want to watch that video, I'll I'll put a link to it on the uh, page for this episode on the website. Okay, let's carry on. Time check. Okay, I've got 40 minutes. All right, then. So quite a rambly episode, this one. But anyway, that bit about Ninja August just is my way of saying uh, it's really hard to get things done. So if you're waiting for LEP Premium to arrive, just hold on. Just hang in there. It's coming soon. And hopefully in the second half of August, I'll get more stuff done. Right. So uh, I'm going to carry on responding to those questions and comments from listeners like I started in the last episode. And we will see where this takes us. So let's carry on. Um, I'd also like to remind you, please consider voting for Luke's english podcast in the british podcast awards i must uh, remember to, I'll, I'll mention that again later i need to move on shout out to jack uh jack in the comments section 
I'd like to just say again to Jack, thank you very much for adding lists of vocabulary under recent episodes, including many of the episodes in the episode archive. And if you're on the website, uh, teacherluke.co.uk, checking the page for episodes, looking at, for example, the transcripts that you can find there and uh, videos that I might uh, post there and other things, check out the comments section because you may find uh, lists of vocabulary or language extracts uh, from that episode, which have been written by uh, Jack, one of the comment section Lepsters. Um, so thanks, Jack. Thanks for doing that. That should be very useful for my listeners, uh, because listeners, if you you know, if you're sort of thinking about how you can learn vocab uh, from these episodes, then you could go and check out either the page for the episode where you'll often see lots of the language I'm using written, either in the form of transcripts or vocab lists. And also check the comments section because you might find a list of language extracts written by Jack. And Jack's very good. He's got very good listening skills. He knows a lot of words that I use. These might be phrases that you might miss and you can check them out in the comments section. When LEP Premium arrives eventually, I'll be delving into that kind of stuff too, explaining, clarifying language which has come up in episodes of the podcast. Now, Jack, for some reason, always pesters me for a gift. Right, he's always in the. I don't know why, but in the comment section, he's like, you know, I can't wait to get my gift, and I don't really know why he does that. um, Since I mean, I'm already gifting him with episodes of the podcast, but you know, I don't. Whatever, I I think he's just joking. But I suppose this time, for for the contribution that he's made to the website, this time I think Jack does deserve something for adding these useful vocabulary lists to the pages. So, Jack. Uh, on my recent trip back to the UK, I, we were in the UK a couple of weeks ago. On my recent trip back to the UK, Jack, I picked something up for you. Now, I know you're into cars. I know you like cars. So let me now hand you this gift. It's the keys to a 1975 Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow. This is the ultimate in classic British luxury motoring. At the time it was released, this was absolutely the top of the range in terms of comfort, style and quality. And it remains to this day a symbol of British class and sophistication. Jack, it just doesn't get better than this. With its massive V8 engine delivering 190 brake horsepower, a steel frame, vacuum-assisted brakes, power steering, a manual three-speed gearbox and a top speed of 106 miles per hour. This is a precision machine from the golden age of British motoring. Admittedly, this 43-year-old vehicle is no longer top of the range, but it is a vintage classic. And admittedly, it can't compete with modern-day equivalents, such as the high-performance luxury models produced by companies like Bentley. But, Jack, for a leisurely drive through the British countryside, in the most quintessentially British manner, this has to be the number one choice. They just don't make them like this anymore, Jack. The engine in the Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow delivers a powerful, stately and commanding sense of control. And the ride is so utterly smooth and poised that you can enjoy afternoon tea and cake with guests in the back of the car without spilling a drop on the quality leather upholstery. This car oozes charm. It breathes refinery. It is the epitome of retro British eccentricity. I present to you the Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow. So, Jack, here are the keys. Uh, Just the keys, I'm afraid. I I don't know where the car itself is. 
Um, it's, it's somewhere, definitely somewhere around. I don't know. But anyway, there are the keys f- from me to you, Jack. Thank you very much. There's your gift. I hope you enjoy it. Um, now, moving on. Now, here's a comment from a listener. I think it's, I think your name is pronounced Hina, Hena, Heiner. I'm not sure. But uh, Hina, Heiner, Hena is from Germany. Hina, Heiner, Hena. That's going to be your name now. Okay. From Germany. And uh, this is a sort of a correction to something that I said on the podcast recently. I've got two uh, comments here, which give me a kind of a correction which aim to correct things that I said on the podcast. Um, so this one from Hina Heine Heine says, in episode 516 with Beetle Paul, do you remember that one, listeners? That's the one where we listened to Paul McCartney telling a story about uh, how he uh, um, encountered some spiders uh, once when he was younger. So in episode 516 with Beetle Paul, you explain the following idiom, to be as blind as a bat. Do you remember that one? Uh, Paul was talking about John Lennon and saying that he was blind as a bat because he couldn't see without his glasses. He was blind as a bat. So, and blind, if you're as blind as a bat, it means that you have got really bad eyesight or that you're totally blind. I think, to be honest, Hina Hina Hina, I think it really means that you just have bad eyesight. I'm not sure it means... It could mean that you're completely blind, totally blind, or it could just be a sort of an exaggeration to mean that you just have bad eyesight. Um... And, you know, for example, you could say, I'm as blind as a bat without my glasses, meaning I can't see very well without my glasses. Um, and the, the, the idea behind the expression is that bats are often thought to be blind. Well, no, what I said was, what I said was, despite that being an expression, I'm as blind as a bat without my glasses, bats are often thought to be blind, but in fact, their eyes are as good as ours, but they use their ears more uh, at night than their eyes that's what i said and hina hina heine says luke that's not quite true the following two phrases are from the english wikipedia and they explain the vision of bats number one the eyes of most microbat species are small and poorly developed leading to poor visual acuity but no species is blind number two megabat species often have eyesight as good as, if not better than, human vision. Their eyesight is adapted to both night and daylight vision, including some colour vision. So what you state is true only for the subspecies megabat, whereas microbats are nearly as blind as a bat, but not quite. Greetings from good old Germany, Hina Heine Heine. I'm not sure it... (laughs) on, On reflection... Ladies and gents, I'm not sure it was that important for me to read that one out on the podcast. But anyway, there it is. My response to Hina Heine Heine is, um, okay, thank you for the clarification. In my defence, we don't have many megabats in the UK. Now, you might be thinking, what on earth is a megabat and what's a microbat? I think basically there's just megabats are considered to be just big bats and microbats are little bats. Okay, all right. So, in my defence, Hina Heine Heine, uh, we don't have many megabats in the UK. The majority of our bats are microbats. Microbats. So, perhaps that explains how the phrase entered common parlance. Because in our experience, our bats usually have quite poor eyesight. Although to say that they are blind is actually not true. But still, thank you. The correction still stands. I said that bats actually have good eyesight. But that only applies to megabats. 
whereas microbats actually do have relatively poor eyesight, although they aren't completely blind. So I'd like to just also apologise to the microbat or megabat community for getting that one wrong. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to offend uh, bats of any size if they are listening to the podcast. And considering they have such good hearing, we know that's true. They do have very good hearing. They're probably listening to, to this now. There's probably thousands of bats with amazing bat hearing that are just listening to me even now from wherever they are in the world. So sorry to the bat speech. So, and I'd like to apologise to Batman as well. Because if Batman turns up and goes, I heard you've been talking about me. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. It's just all a misunderstanding. I'm sorry. Um, then that would be a problem. So anyway, the expression, I'm as blind as a bat, still stands. And it still stands as a, as a phrase that we do use uh, in English to mean either you're blind or you just have bad eyesight. And um, I think we can probably consider, we can still say it. Uh, okay, fine. Nope. So anyway, seriously, though, it is good to get corrections like this on the podcast uh, in order to prevent the spread of misinformation, which does happen every day and which is a problem. Here's another correction from a listener. Um, and admittedly, this one is probably a bit more important, I think. Not to take anything away from Hina Heinehena and the bat community, but I think th- this next one is yeah, really definitely worth uh, reading out. So this is a correction about Stephen Hawking. And I received this as a message on Facebook. And uh, this is a correction about Stephen Hawking and is yeah probably more important than the one about the bat, to be honest. So the, cor- the, the comment uh, goes like this. Hi, Luke. How are you? How's your family? Uh, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. I didn't ask, but uh, I'm glad that you're fine. Ha ha ha. Smiley face, smiley face. Okay, so uh, the message continues. I'm a med student in Brazil, and like a, a medical student in Brazil. And as I was listening to the episode you did on Stephen Hawking, uh, I couldn't help myself but to clarify. Sorry, I couldn't help but clarify is how it should go. I couldn't help but clarify some things you said about his disease. I hope you don't mind, but since I know you are curious about almost anything, I'm sure you won't mind. Okay, I don't mind. I welcome the correction from a medical student. You said that his kind of motor neurone disease affects the brain. It actually affects neurons outside the brain. These uh, neurons or neurones? I think it's neurons. N-E-U-R-O-N-E-S. Or is it neurons? Hold on a minute. Let me check. Neurons or neurons? Neurons. Specialised cell transmitting nerve impulses. A nerve cell. All right. Of course you're right. You're a medical student. So it's neurons. Okay. So you said that his kind of motor neurone disease affects the brain. It actually affects neurons outside the brain. These neurons are responsible for making our muscles produce movements. And that's why the condition is called motor neurone disease. This disease is also known as ALS, which stands for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. You also said that his disease affected his central nervous system, but it actually affected his peripheral motor system. We have neurons throughout our bodies. Everything in the brain and in the spinal cord is our central nervous system. Uh, 
neurons outside these structures belong to the peripheral nervous system. Are you following this, listeners? So the brain and the spinal column, all the sort of stuff, the, the, the nervous system there in the brain and the spinal column, that's called the central nervous system. But all the neurons, the nerve cells that exist everywhere else in our bodies, uh, that's called the peripheral nervous system. And apparently, um, um, Stephen Hawking's uh, ALS uh, affected the, the peripheral nervous system, uh, not the central nervous system, as I said. It's worth mentioning this stuff because I do want to raise awareness of uh, these conditions. Um, it's important to raise awareness of this kind of thing because they're very common. Uh, it's very widespread. ALS, uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, sclerosis is something that affects many, many, many people all, all the time. Um, the message continues like this. Do you remember the ice bucket challenge? Do you remember that, folks? A few years ago, it went around the internet. It went viral. People were filming themselves um, being covered in ice cubes. So you'd film, your, you know, lots of celebrities and public figures and stuff were doing it too. They'd video themselves being uh, having a, a bucket of ice or iced water uh, chucked over their head. So, do you remember the Ice Bucket Challenge? It was created to increase the awareness of ALS, and it worked. Donations coming from the challenge helped researchers at the University of Massachusetts Medical School to find out one gene that is involved in the disease. This finding can help in future therapy development. I hope my explanation was useful and not too boring. Uh, thank you so much for all your work in making this podcast. Cheers. Clenison. Well, Clenison, your explanation was very useful and not boring at all. Thank you very much for uh, writing that to me. And I'm glad that you you explained that and that you picked me up on, on that. I think it's important. So uh, yeah, got it? The central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system. Um, and uh, the peripheral nervous system can be affected by amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Um, it's, it basically means that pe if, if people have ALS, uh, it seriously affects the way in which they are able to, uh, you know, uh, use their muscles to uh, control movements and things like that. And, you know, it's important that people know uh, what uh, these, uh, these common diseases are all about. Um, and so that, you know, um, general public awareness can just help to do things like bring more funding to research and when research is properly funded uh, doctors uh, scientists can actually find uh, the source of these things uh, which then leads to finding proper treatment which leads to uh, people actually being able to live their lives properly um, so there we go thank you Clenison for that um, correction I appreciate it now, do you remember in the last episode I mentioned briefly something at the beginning about uh, a useful Japanese cat? I said that I'd be talking about a useful Japanese cat. Uh, well, let's read this next comment from a listener. And it goes like this. Dear Luke, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Thank you for asking. I'm in a little bit of a rush trying to get things done, but uh, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, this is Yuko, a Japanese expatriate living in New York and suffering from an incurable condition called anglophilia. Uh, by the way, listeners, anglophilia is basically an obsession or a, a, a great fondness for all things English. So Yuko is basically addicted to, to English things. And she continues, in the episode talking about pets, 
your brother repeatedly mentioned the unusefulness of cats as opposed to dogs. Yes, that's right. We uh, we did talk about that, didn't we, in that episode? We were talking about how dogs perform a useful function often in society. We can have like police dogs or sniffer dogs or guard dogs and things. They all do different jobs. Whereas cats, on the other hand, you couldn't have like a police cat because, you know, they're just not suited to the... They don't have the skill set. They don't have the particular set of skills required to do police work, unlike dogs, which apparently... Uh, do so we were talking about how cats are basically useless to to the human race beyond just being cute we also suggested that cats were essentially self-interested animals who somehow have managed to make us their slaves because uh you know when you when you have a cat in the house eventually you start to realize wait a minute the cat is the one that's in charge the cat lies around not doing any work and just we we feed it and we're like it's slaves uh, it's our master, not the other way around. Anyway, so Yuko, Yuko's message continues like this. I just wanted to show you the exceptions to the idea that cats are not useful uh, in society. Uh, there are some cats who uh, worked as a, as a station master in a Japanese train station. And uh, Yuko uh, linked uh, the Wikipedia page for this story. So do you get this, folks? Uh, in a Japanese train station... Uh, there is a, some Japanese train station somewhere in Japan where they actually had a cat as the station master. <laughs> now, I'm, this doesn't surprise me, actually, because since I know Japan quite well, of course, of course, in Japan, uh, you had uh, a cat working as the station master in a train station. Of course you did, because this is Japan, this is Japan where this is the sort of thing that might happen. You know, I, I totally, I'm totally unsurprised. I can imagine going to a train station, maybe in some small town uh, somewhere in Japan, and going into the train station and, you know, buying my ticket from the machine and then noticing a box there on the side of the platform with a cat, maybe with, with some sort of uniform, uh, like maybe a, a, like a, a logo hanging around its neck or something. A cat essentially employed by the 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 train station to work as a station master uh and everyone just going about their business and maybe the 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 cat logo everywhere so cute little cat pictures and it's like the cat train station everything's the whole train station is dedicated to the image images of cats uh well that's exactly what's going on here because let me read from the wikipedia page of uh, uh this is the wikipedia page about a cat called tama uh, born in April 1999, uh, unfortunately died uh, in June 2015. Tama was a female calico cat who gained fame for being a station master and operating officer at Kishi Station on the Kishigawa Line in, Kinoku- in Kinokawa, uh, Wayakama Prefecture in Japan. Uh, uh, let me read uh, about Tama. This is a lovely story. Tama was born in Kinokawa wakayama and was raised with a group of stray cats that used to live close to kishi station stray cats a stray cat is a is a cat that doesn't really have a home it's just a cat that's just they're like wild cats i mean they they probably used to be domesticated or they're domesticated breeds of cat they're not like uh you know cats that uh um live naturally 
out in the countryside, but they're probably city cats that just don't have homes, like homeless cats, stray cats. So uh, uh, Tama was born, was raised with a group of stray cats that used to live close to Kishi Station. They were regularly fed by passengers and by uh, Toshiko Koyama, the informal station manager at the time. Okay. The station was almost shut down in 2004 because of financial problems. Around this time, Koyama adopted Tama. So Koyama being the guy who looked after the station, he adopted Tama. Um, eventually the decision to shut down the station was withdrawn after the citizens demanded that it stay open so i guess the train train company or the government were going to close down the station but the people of of uh, uh of the town um demanded that the train station stay open in april 2006 the wakayama electric railway de-staffed all stations on the kishigawa line to cut costs Station masters were selected from employees of local businesses near each station, and Koyama was officially chosen as the station manager. Okay. Uh all stations to cut costs. Station masters were selected from employees of local businesses near each station. Koyama was officially chosen as the station manager. Okay, maybe what they did was they, they got rid of all the, the station staff and replaced them with one station manager, and that was this guy... Um, Toshiko Koyama, okay, the, the, the guy who had Tama, the cat, as his pet or friend. In friend, maybe, yeah. Can you be friends with a cat? Hello, I'd like you to come around for a coffee. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to be here with my friend. All right, what's your friend's name? Uh, Tama, okay, it's a nice name. Uh, where's your friend then? Oh, he's here. Oh, what, the cat? Yeah. Um, so in January, 2000, in January f- uh, 2007, railway officials decided to officially name Tama the station master. What? So the cat was eventually officially named the station master. As station master, her primary duty was to greet passengers. So wait a minute, what happened to Toshiro? What was, what was, what was his name? What happened to uh, Toshiko, the guy? Maybe he stepped down and he let Tama become the official station master. Maybe, um, maybe Koyama had been training Tama, and you know, as if to say, so Tama, one day this station will be yours. Um, soon, when I'm too old to work here, uh, you're going to take over this station and um, you're going to be the one who looks after the passengers and the commuters. Okay, how does that sound? And Tama said, that sounds meowvelous. <clears throat> I'm just going to move on from that uh, awful joke. Um, so... The Wikipedia page. The publicity from Tama's appointment led to an increase in passengers by 17% for that month as compared to January 2006. Well, I'm not surprised. If you learnt that the local train station was being run by a cat, you would use that station, wouldn't you? Just to at least see the cat and to see like if it has a uniform or whether the cat is like stamping tickets or, you know... You, you would. I mean, I would add 15 minutes to my journey just to witness that. So I'm not surprised that the uh, passenger intake increased by 17% for that month. Also, ridership statistics for March 2007 showed a 10% increase over the previous financial year. Wow, so the station made 10% more money than it did the previous year. A study estimated that the publicity surrounding Tama has contributed 1.1 billion yen to the local economy. Oh my God, 
This cat's a real moneymaker. A money cat, you could say. In January 2008, Tama was promoted to Super Station Master in a ceremony attended by the president of the company and the mayor of the town. As a result of her promotion, she was the only female in a managerial position in the company. Oh my God! This Not only has this cat become the first cat to run a train station, but also she's a champion of women's rights. The first female in a managerial position in the company. Oh my goodness. Her new position had an office. A converted ticket booth containing a litter box. Of course, well, the cat needs somewhere to shit, doesn't it? So you need a litter box in there. Anyway, in January 2010, railway officials promoted Tama to the post of operating officer. Operating officer. (laughs) Do you think she's got a business card? In recognition of her contribution to expanding the customer base, Tama, uh, yeah, Tama maintained the station master's job while taking over the new job and was the first cat to become an executive of a railroad corporation. <laughs> her staff consisted of two feline assistant station masters. What? So the cat had like staff that were also cats. So this cat had other cats working for her. Her staff consisted of two feline assistant station masters. Tama's sister, Chibi, born in May 2000. And Tama's mother, an orange tabby cat named Miko. Oh my God, it's the cutest story in the world. I'm just exploding from cuteness. Cuteness overload. Tama had like... Her sister and her mum also worked at the station. (laughs) They were the star. Oh, oh my God. In spring 2009, the Wakayama Electric Railway introduced a new train called the Tamadensha, which is basically like the Tama train on the line, which was customised on the line, which was customised with cartoon depictions of Tama. Oh my God, so there was a Tama train, like a cat train. There's a picture of it. It's like a cat train that's been painted and it's got like a little cute nose and whiskers on the front of the train. Only in Japan, ladies and gentlemen. The cat train. In August 2010, the station building at Kishi was rebuilt. They rebuilt the whole station with a new structure resembling a cat's face. They redesigned the station so it looked like a cat's face, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I miss Japan. I want to go to this station just to get that warm, fluffy, cute feeling of just... I'd like to spend the day there, please. Both the Tama Densha refurbishment and station rebuilding projects were overseen by an industrial an industrial designer, Eiji Mituka, who I assume is a human. Imagine if it was overlooked by, like, an, uh, an industrial designer who was like, uh, I don't know, um, some like an owl... Like, you know, like another animal that's... <laughs> the cats, like, run the station, but the the station is designed by much more intelligent animals from, like, a different social class. So, like, owls, you know, bird, like those really clever birds that fly around at night. No, Eiji Mituka wasn't an owl. Uh, he was a human, uh, I think. I mean, I can check the Wikipedia page for Eiji Mituka and just see if he is a person. Yes, he is a human. There he is, a Japanese man with grey hair and a suit 
Okay, so a man, a human. Um, oh, I love this story. The story goes on, ladies and gents. I'll, I'll link it on the page so you can read the rest of it and you can find out how apparently after Tama finally passed away, after Tama died, the station continued to employ cats as station master. And now it's like the station's been handed down from one cat to to the other. Oh my goodness me. Only in Japan. How wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, is this the sort of thing that only can happen in Japan? Um, I don't know. If you know of any similar things where animals are performing civic duties to the same extent, or maybe where animals are doing... Uh, uh, very useful things for the community then please let me know Um, send your messages to uh, my webs you know get on the website and leave a comment on this episode Um, uh, that's fantastic Yuko finishes her her message by saying aren't they amazing Uh, Yuko yes they are amazing wonderful cats I'm just wondering do the cats really like are they really running the station or is it possible that maybe someone else is sort of pulling the strings and the cats are just there um just you know as a sort of as a cute like um uh novelty um i don't know mate i don't know i haven't been there so i can't say but um i apparently these cats are devoted to uh, the station and there they are performing a lovely civic duty raising the um financial uh, revenue of uh, the train company and generally making everyone's lives better in some way, apparently. So there you go. Okay, Yuko, you've proved my brother and me wrong. Cats can perform useful civic duties. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, I've decided to hand over um, Luke's English podcast for the rest of the month of May to a a, a local cat, uh, which which has been... um, uh, frequenting the, the local area. I found the cat in the street and I tempted it back to the apartment with like bowls of cheese, bowls of cheese, no, bowls of milk, and I, uh, which apparently you shouldn't give to cats. Apparently you shouldn't give milk to cats. But um, anyway, I tempted the cat back in and uh, introduced the cat to the microphone and all the podcasting equipment. And I said, um, uh, what do you think, cat? Do you, do, you, do you think you'd be able to do episodes of Luke's English Podcast? And the cat agreed on the on the um on the on the condition that um uh it that she could do the entire thing just using cat language so it's mainly going to be meow um that's you know that's mainly the english that you're going to learn meow uh maybe uh the sound of purring Um, there'll be a lot of purring on the podcast um that's it, really. I mean, those are the uh, what other sounds do cats make? Like the, the sound of a yawning cat. You know that sound that cats make when they yawn and then close their mouth. Uh, they'll be purring. They'll be meowing. Uh, there'll be that weird noise that cats make when they are stand sitting next to the window and they look through the window and they see a bird in the tree. Do you know what I mean? Now, a- anyone out there who's got a cat will know what I'm talking about, that cats go really weird sometimes when they're sitting on the on the windowsill and they're sitting on the windowsill, windowsill, uh, that's the little platform next to the window, the windowsill, S-I-L-L, 
when cats are sitting on the windowsill and they're looking out the window and maybe they're looking at birds in the trees or there might be like a fly buzzing around at the top of the window and cats will look up at the birds or the fly or whatever and they start making a weird noise they go they kind of start doing this weird thing like they get possessed and start staring at it and they kind of go do you know what i mean if you're not a cat person, you'll, you won't understand what I'm talking about. If you are a cat person, you'll know exactly what I mean. It's like, what are the cats doing? Are they like, it's like they're whispering to the fly or whispering to the birds like, nye, nye, nye. come over here, little birdie bird. I'm going to eat you. I don't know. Cats are kind of funny. So that's what you can expect in forthcoming episodes of the podcast. It's going to be like um, meowing, purring, uh, yawning sounds, scratching uh and sounds i'm joking of course don't worry uh the podcast is not going to be taken over by a cat not that you were concerned or worried about that someone's now disappointed i'm sure someone's like oh really oh i wanted to hear the i wanted to hear the the cat podcasts um yeah there there is a cat who listens to this podcast isn't there of course as we know that's cat from the comments section um i guess she's the closest thing that uh that we have to a genuine cat uh yeah it's just that her name is cat catherine cat for short cat if you're listening um uh i don't know maybe if if anyone was going to uh, take over from this podcast if if i could choose any cat to do that job i suppose it would have to be you wouldn't it but you would need to to, to wear a cat's out you need to be in cat fancy dress you need to dress like a cat to do it anyway what am i talking about i'm talking absolute nonsense and I've only got four minutes left before I have to rush off to crash. You understand, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? You do. That sometimes in this podcast, in certainly in the free episodes anyway, that uh, I'm podcasting in you know, certain conditions, in this case in Ninja August, uh, May in France, where I just haven't been able to get a good sort of uh, period of time together to actually prepare an episode in the, in the thorough and uh detailed manner that i normally like to uh, do and that often ends up in me sitting here rambling about cats and things but you don't mind do you no luke no we don't mind we like it when you talk shite about animals okay good um there'll be more podcast stuff coming towards you in some way soon through the through the internet there will be uh the sounds of luke's english podcast uh wafting across the spring breeze D- does that make sense i don't know thanks for listening to the podcast ladies and gentlemen i'll be speaking to you again soon uh don't forget to visit the website and do all the stuff that you can do there check out the vocab lists and things like that don't forget to join the mailing list so you get an email in, in your inbox whenever uh, i upload something don't forget to please vote for Luke's English Podcast in the British Podcast Awards. Um, that would be wonderful. Please ask your uh, family and friends if they're willing and able to do it too. Ask your pet cats uh, if they have an internet connection. Ask them to do it as well. Dogs, go- gerbils, goldfish, uh, hamsters and everything like that. Uh, BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. And then search for Luke's English Podcast and cast your vote. And... I need every single one of you to do this, okay? Don't be, th- don't be one of those people thinking, I don't need to do it. Everyone else will do it. I don't need to do it because the- all the others will do it. No, that's what everyone is thinking. And if you all think like that, then no, no one will vote. So it has to be you, like in- you specifically. Yes, you. 
you. If you've already voted, thank you deeply for doing that. If you haven't voted yet, what are you waiting for? Britishpodcastawards.com slash vote. It's, it's really easy. It'll take you a minute. Uh, but it, you know, if I get into the top three again, it'll be really good for the podcast. Uh, and you know, if I raise the profile of this podcast, that that can only be good. It could mean that, for example, someone like Eddie Izzard, who I really want to get on this podcast, would be more likely to come on because he'd be like, "Oh, I see. Oh, it, he won a British Podcast Award. Oh, well, it's proper proper stuff then. Okay, I'll do it." Or at least Eddie Izzard's manager, because it's Eddie Izzard's manager who I need to convince to to do this. If he if he goes, oh, it's won a British Podcast Award. All right, so oh, it, like people listen to it all over the world. Okay, Eddie, I think you should do it, or or whoever else it is. Uh, so please do that, and that would would be wonderful. If you have a cat or dog or a pet or a uh, husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or an imaginary friend or um, what or anything else, um, um, give them a little treat, a little stroke on the head. Um, and or some other affectionate thing um to show them that you love them uh thank you for listening to the podcast and but and but no that's not proper english i think i'm going to quit now uh, because i have to go and pick up my lovely little daughter um and i'll speak to you on the podcast soon okay everyone goodbye bye 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.